electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. Here's what's on tap tonight. A new all-time high for the S&P, the benchmark index, closing at a record for the first time in over two years. The group's leading the way back to these levels, tech, communication services, and industrials. But will the leaders keep leading? And can the red-hot semi-trade keep burning bright? Plus, believe the bounce shares of Spirit Airlines recouping some of their losses from this very turbulent week. But the bonds may be telling a much more troubling story about the company's viability. The chairwoman is digging into the debt details. And later, the return of your favorite fast money game. It's back. Earnings season's about to kick into high gear. But should you trade or fade next week's big reports? The traders give their picks coming up. I'm Melissa Lee coming to you live from Studio B at the NASDAQ on the desk tonight. Bono and Eisen, Karen Feinerman, Courtney Garcia, and Guy Adami. And we start off tonight with a record two years in the making. The S&P 500 up more than 1% today, locking in both an intraday and closing all-time high. This has not happened since January 2022. The Dow also setting a new record, up nearly 400 points today. The Nasdaq leading the gains on a percentage basis. The tech-heavy index just about 5% from its all-time high. Semi is playing a big role in today's rally. The chip ETF jumping almost 4%, notching its best week since last May. The sector accounting for 10 of the top 11 S&P stocks this week. So how much further can this bull run go? It seems to defy gravity, defy expectations, Guy. Well, if you've listened to me, I, I apologize, number one. This desk has been collectively bullish. I have not. I'll say this. So much of today, I think, was predicated on a couple things. Consumer sentiment, which came out much better than expected, on the back of interest rates going lower, which I think people view as a good thing, which I totally understand. Be careful about that, number one. And number two, a huge option expiry day that Karen can probably talk about as well. That probably fueled a lot of the late day, a lot of the entire day rally. With all that said, I mean, people are clearly pricing in the best case scenario known to mankind in terms of the stock market rally. And even the most ardent bulls, I think, have to be concerned when they see days like today. What about that options expiry? Well, actually, we do have a very specific option trader here. But, I, you know, this is the over a trillion dollars plus, right, the largest expiry we've ever seen. And this melt up going into the even though the, the S&P options expire in the morning. Right. So for the rest of the day, I'm not really sure. Um, you, you know, I've heard a lot of talk about uh, gamma positioning and how that leaves people having to buy. Um, and maybe that continues. I don't know. I just. It did seem very melt-up-y, the whole, I mean, 4% today in semis? Yeah. I don't know what happened today. So uh, it's hard to say, oh, this is, you know, it should be priced here. I'm long. This is my sort, you know, but I don't know what to do here. I'm looking at options. I got to take some money off the table, although I do think, I do believe in the AI story. I do believe that there is several years of demand here. But this, I, I mean, if, if we are back to where we were January 2022, remember what happened after January 2022 to the market? That was a very vicious, you know, right. down cycle. So um, I, I can't explain it in a way that makes me think, oh, this is rational and we should continue to 
think this is going to continue. How much mm -hmm. of this today was the technical aspect of the options expiration? I would I would allocate probably 50 percent. I mean, it's hard for me to say definitively. Yeah, sure. Right. But the thing is, December and January are going to be like your largest index and then the subsequent ETF X freeze. So if you ha do have all those options rolling off, you do either have to roll or replace them or deal with the short gamma, which is what they've alluded to. So it is going to lead to some significant price action there. In terms of the semis, I do think there is something to be said about what uh, TSMC came out and said, right? We talked about them a few weeks ago in terms of some of the China overhang, but essentially they're saying, listen, we're expecting uh, the sector to grow by 10% and ourselves to grow by 20% in large part to GPU allocated and AI driven type of growth. And I think that that is essentially, investors want to hear what they want to hear. And if there is one narrative that they want to hear. It is that along with the rate story. I think the rate situation has been somewhat mixed. Guy mentioned consumer sentiment. We've seen consumers continue to spend. Uh, I do agree that the very best Goldilocks situation has been priced in. But until we start to see some type of situation, even the banks allocating like the one-time fees, it's still viewed through a positive lens. I do think we're getting to a point where so many people are bullish that the contra trend does need to be taken into account. We mentioned that in December when people started to capitulate and then buy. And I think this, this the, the opposite situation is starting to take hold. I mean, Goldilocks does seem like the base case scenario at this point, that the Fed has gotten it right, that the data still indicates a strong economy, but we are slowing down enough and inflation is backing off enough for us to continue and, and look at the market's runoff of this. Which, if inflation does come down and interest rates do come down, that is the perfect backdrop to make the markets go higher. Um, but I do think markets did get ahead of themselves with those six cuts for next year. And that's where I think you're going to start to see some of a pullback, which we started to see early this year. Um, and now you're seeing, again, technology run up, which I really was of the mindset you're going to see this rotation happen, which we saw at the end of last year. Now the question is, is that happening? I think you are just starting to see some of that. We never really got that euphoria in technology, and I think you're starting to see some of that come in. People are still very excited about artificial intelligence. Um, so I think you're going to see some of that, but I think ultimately things are going to shift back more into that rotation as we look forward. Super microcomputers, a name we've talked yeah. about from time to time on this desk. I want to pretend we've been bullish bearish. We just talk about it in the context of what's going on. And this is not a knock on Susquehanna. They do extraordinary work. On December 11th, they downgraded that stock, put a $140 price target on it from margin pressures, a number of different things. Today, Today it closed to 425, was up 20-something percent today on their guide last night, which, by the way, was very good. But I guess it just goes to show you, you know, how you can be so off sides in this entire space. With all that said, you know, when you see a move of these magnitudes, you have to say to yourself, there's something else going on right now. And this whole base case mm -hmm. of soft landing, Goldilocks scenario, all the things you hear every single day flies in the face of some of the other things you're saying. Bank lending has been contracting at a pretty alarming rate. Nobody seems to be talking about that. And I'm still of the belief that given the re-steepening of the yield curve, you're going to start to see the effects of the 20-something months of an inverted yield curve. Obviously, nobody wants to hear that, but I think it's come into a theater near you. That super micro guide was, was nuts. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as much as a billion dollars higher in revenue for the quarter. How can yeah. we be so off sides on that? I mean, how did the company guide right. so low before and what, what changed? I mean, um, that's a separate question. Well, the last time they reported that was November, right? It was a different world then. Rates were peaking, right? right. And things felt very different. I don't know if that was a... I, I mean... It's obviously, we can't help but think, oh, it's very similar to NVIDIA-like when that revenue guide was just mm -hmm. extraordinary off the charts. But a, lot's been, a lot of good things have been priced into the space already. So I'm concerned. 
I mean, it's mm-hmm. not the greatest setup going into earnings season to have the markets at a record high. And semis in particular with Intel next week on Friday um, for semis to be at these levels. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. So the situation is that we're getting very specific data that seems to lead the entire space higher. I think that's what we're all collectively saying here. And I do agree that, that the bubbling of that underneath the surface is a bit concerning. I think if Intel or anyone else next week comes out and essentially says, listen, the slowdown is more than just perhaps handheld devices. We've already seen some caution in terms of like the electronic, uh, sorry, the electric vehicles. If there is anything that says, hey, actually, perhaps there is a hiccup in terms of this AI-led boom, I do think, yes, that's, that's the linchpin that's holding this whole thing together. So I think that if there is any kind of pullback in that space, uh, you might start to see some weakness in NVIDIA and AMD because those are the natural pure plays. But I think the rest of the space takes a lot more pain yeah. because that, that's, that's the, the one area of strength. Yeah, Intel Thursday. I, I misspoke. I said Friday. Intel's out on Thursday. Um, but in terms of the earnings next week, Court, what concerns you the most? I mean, we sort of have a, it's the first week, it's sort of a smattering of earnings. We've got a wide yeah. range. It is. I think the bar is essentially very high right now, right? Because mm-hmm. if you look at the NASDAQ 100, it's trading at 25 times earnings, which every time it gets to that level, it really hasn't been able to get much higher than that. And I think the argument is that artificial intelligence will um, boost revenue enough that it actually justifies these higher earnings. I just don't know how much we're going to get there because that trade has already played out. Fund managers are already over allocated into technology. So where does the additional money come from to push it higher? So maybe it's the cash that's on the sidelines. We're close to $6 trillion that eventually needs to make its way in. But at the same time, that's safety money. People are terrified of putting their money in the market. So is that going to come out and go into these high-flying techs? I doubt it. Um, So I think that's the thing is what's going to bring it higher. It's got to be a pretty high bar. Oh, I'm sorry, Court. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Netflix on Tuesday, fascinating, given that upgrade we just talked about. I think earlier this week, obviously, that's one to watch. But American Express on Friday, I only mention that because, obviously, it's the premier franchise out there in terms of what they do. But one has to wonder. Now, we understand. We talked about Discover last night. Completely different client. Understand customer base is different. With that said, does American Express start to see some of the things that DFS saw? That's going to be interesting to me. And American Express is within, I think, 6 or $7 of its prior all-time high, probably made sometime in 2021. Or even if they see the business yes, part yes. Spend, spend, slow down. The spend right. part. That, that not, could be. It's not as much of a credit story. Right. Right. If they just see but it'll levels. be, a, yes, the economy and how also businesses want to spend. Yeah. All right, let's get more on the big run in semis. Bring in Bernstein senior U.S. semi-analyst Stacey Razgan. Stacey, great to have you with us. Um, Good to be here. You know, does this run make you nervous going into earnings season? Look, I guess anytime you go into earnings, you'd prefer expectations to be lower rather than higher, and I think expectations clearly are, are, are going up. Um, some of it's also the general cyclical behavior. Like, some, you have to remember, this, this cycle's been unusual. Um Last year was a downturn. Semis were down. The stocks were great, right? But the revenues were down. This year, revenues will grow broadly for semis. Um, things like PCs and smartphones, which drive all, you know, probably 50% of semiconductor demand overall. Um, they've kind of bottomed. They've hit bottom. Then people are looking at least for those end markets to grow some this year. Um, AI is clearly off the charts, as you were you were talking about. Um, I think there's some nervousness in some sense around some of the lagging at stuff, automotive and industrial. And those are end markets that probably are not going to do so well this year from a revenue standpoint. But for a lot of the companies, they've already cut. And you get this sort of weird dynamic in semiconductors when, when people tend to want to buy earnings cuts. They like if, if they're confident that things have bottomed. Now, that, that's a debate. Have numbers been cut enough? But in general, people have been buying some of these names on sort of the cyclical bottoming phases. So you've kind of been winning all, like, like in, in all ways 
um, across semis as we go into earnings. And, and now, you know, the rubble will hit the road, I guess, like as we start out next week and, and some of these prints start to come through and we'll see where they were, you know, where, where, the, where, the, where the chips land, I, I, I guess. Stacey, you watch all these, I know. Tuesday, Texas Instruments, you don't have to play stock market with me, but Friday, AMD, and I'll tell you, talk about people getting off sides. Oh, AMD's uh, the following week. Oh, I, apologies, the following week. But with that said, I, my point is the following. AMD, the last two quarters, the f- prior quarter, the stock was 134, so everybody seemingly loved it. It cratered. This last quarter, 97 it closed. The knee jerk and re- after earnings was to take it to 94. Yeah. It's doubled since then. I, you know, yeah. this is one of those names that people can't figure out. How does it set up in earnings effectively an all time high? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, AMD has been an interesting one last year. You know, they, they kind of missed numbers every quarter last year. And it almost didn't matter because um, they were able to, to create this AI narrative and, and, and backing it up in some sense, right? They've, they've got a roadmap with products on it. They've got some clear demand. And they, they set up expectations for the AI piece of it very smartly. Um, they set the number. I think they said they're going to do more than $2 billion in, in AI revenues this year. And that number is very small relative to the general scale of the industry. And so they probably left room to take it up. Um, now, I do worry somewhat about the rest of their business, just like we've been seeing for several quarters. You know, we'll see about PCs. Um, I think they're, they're sort of the general uh, data center, like traditional data center market has not been so great. Their embedded business probably going to be down double digits this year. Gaming will probably be down 20%. It's entirely possible that the core business could still be weak. But as long as people can have comfort in, in that AI story, may, maybe it still gets bought. And that's what happened as we went through last year. I think the issue with AMD now is I think people are expecting that AI number to go up. And I know they, they said more than two. By the time we get to the end of this year, it better be a lot more than two, you know, given where the stock is trading right now. But that that's that interesting dynamic, that trade-off between the AI story and the traditional story, that's going to be like so the, interesting how that plays out as, as, as they report as we go through the rest of the year. Stacey, it's Karen. Thanks for being on. So big picture question for you. You've been doing this a long time. You're very good at it. What inning do you think we're in of the AI story as a business? And where do, what inning do you think we are in in terms of valuation of the players in the AI business? Yeah, yeah. It actually depends on the player, right? So some of these, again, AMD is fairly expensive. you got others like Marvell and, and, and even, even Intel's valuation has gone up on some of this. Um, NVIDIA's stock price has gone up a lot. But I, I've made this point on, on, on here before. The valuation for NVIDIA is actually not that bad because the earnings have gone up far faster than, than the stock price has gone up. And NVIDIA is actually one of the, the cheaper, actually, AI stocks, if you, if, you, if you can believe it. I think what you're getting at, what, what inning are we? And I think there, there's the cyclical question and the structural question. Long term, we're, we're clearly very early in, in, in the AI transition. You know, chat GPT and generative AI, it's only been around for a, a year, give or take. And um, the general trend toward accelerated computing in the data center, we're, we're very early on that. Um, I think the cyclical one is is still open for debate. And like part of the reason that NVIDIA is trading where it is on a valuation standpoint is the numbers have gotten so big so quickly, people just worry about sustainability. Like, and I think that's an open question for all of these guys. And I'm pretty convinced if I'm looking out five years or 10 years, we will be talking about numbers that are materially higher than what we're talking about today. What does it look like in, in two years? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows yet. I think that's where the debate is. Last quick question, Stacey. You know, in your coverage universe, which stock are you most nervous about in terms of the setup relative to expectations? Um, which do you think will be? Which one do you think will miss? Yeah, yeah. So I, in, in terms of expectations, look, like clearly AMD expectations have been rising. 
And again, I've been getting people have been throwing larger and larger numbers at me for AI. And so so clearly that is something that they will have to to, to deal with. And like the stock, is, especially in the last like week or two, it's, it's just ripped. Right. And you never really want to see that sort of thing as, as you go in, into earnings. So that it makes me a little nervous. Um, it, it, it does. I think with some of the analog stocks, um, it, it's going to be interesting because most of them have actually cut numbers very materially, which is a good thing. But at the same time, the stocks themselves never went down. We never got that part of the cycle. The multiples immediately went up in offset. Um, and, and so some of those valuations are somewhat stretched. And I think there's a question on whether or not some of the, like the industrial and the auto uh, uh, numbers have been cut enough. We just had like a negative pre-announcement from Microchip recently. Mm -hmm. We had a negative pre from Mobileye. So those make me a little nervous. Um, some of the ones that I really like, I actually really like Broadcom, right? Broadcom has really tried to de-risk their near to the, the kind of the core business. And the same thing, they got a really good AI story that's bridging the gap, and then they just closed on the VMware deal, um, which adds a ton of accretion, especially when you get into 2025. I actually really like the Broadcom story. Stacey, great to speak with you. Thank you. Good to be here. Stacey Raskin of Bernstein. Uh, Courtney, where are you in chips? We definitely own them, I mean, we want the exposure there. I don't think it's it's going away at any time in the near future, but it's definitely not where I'm actively allocating our capital right now. I just think some of the valuations have gotten a little too stretched. Um, but absolutely, you need to have it as part of your portfolio. It's a long-term story here. Glad Stacey mentioned it. That's one name we've actually gotten right is Broadcom. I and mean, people look at it as $1,200 stock, and they say it has to be expensive. And I understand the price tag is, but valuation-wise, it's actually reasonable, especially in the space 21 times next year's with a growth rate that actually makes sense. He mentioned the VMware deal 100%. They're off cycle. I want to say the report late February-ish. Goldman Sachs just raised their price target. What's going to happen is a lot of analysts are going to have to raise their price target in their earnings. I think you stay with AVGO. All right. We've got a news alert on Microsoft, a cyber breach there. CNBC's Megan Casella has more on this. Megan. Thanks, Melissa. Microsoft is saying this evening that a nation-state actor affiliated with Russia attacked its corporate system and gained access to a small percentage of Microsoft corporate email accounts, including what the company says were members of the senior leadership team. The company detected the attack a week ago on January 12th, and it's saying tonight that they do not believe there to be any material impact on the company at this time. Microsoft identified the, atta the attacker as Midnight Blizzard, a Russian state-sponsored actor, also known as Nobelium, and it says the attack began in November 2023. The attackers were able to access email accounts in their cybersecurity and their legal departments, as well as others. And the attack appeared to be focused, at least initially, Microsoft says, on information related to Midnight Blizzard itself. Melissa, we'll keep tracking this, and back to you. All right, Megan, thank you. Megan Casella in our D.C. bureau tonight. Sort of a not sort of. It is a black eye for Microsoft, considering the breach was specifically senior leadership and members of the cybersecurity department. And, you know, impact or no impact on day-to-day -day operations, oftentimes with these breaches, we do not know what was taken until months or even years later. So, I mean... I'm surprised we found out, number one, but it means that probably something was going to leak because there are companies that have been out there that have been hacked that you don't hear about right. because they want it to go away. With all that said, you're right about Microsoft, but how many years have we talked about cybersecurity in Palo Alto, which, by the way, has had its ups and downs, but as we're sitting here today, we're wrong with the rest of the market, making an all-time high. So the cybersecurity names still work, Mel. Agreed on cybersecurity. I think in terms of Microsoft, I think this is 
especially concerning considering the back and forth that they had with OpenAI and essentially they're wanting to perhaps having that reined in. This coupled with the breach in security at least would give one pause. I think you likely buy Microsoft into any material pullback, but I do think it's just greater food for thought in terms of how we are transitioning into this AI uh, environment. I agree with you. It's embarrassing. I mean, right? If, uh, you'd think if, if anybody could get it right, well, one, cybersecurity, but we've seen them breached mm-hmm. as well. Um, and email. And, I mean, and email, right. That should be, I mean, they, the phishing expeditions are getting very, very sophisticated, though. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, my email box is just sort of littered with them. And I, um, but still, I think that it's surprising to me that we're only hearing about this now. And then it took it, months for them to figure months out to figure it out. Happening. And then what made them just, you know, January 12th, sort of the, I don't know, came to light. But why are we seeing it a, a, a week later? But also, to your point, we may never know. You may never right. know. Right. Yeah. How broad that is. Coming up, that's the Spirit. Spirit Airlines catching some serious air today after raising guidance. But one of our traders says major turbulence is still on the table. Why she is not afraid to use the B word mm. next. But first, the CEO of American Express sounding off on the state of the consumer. We'll hear what two areas he says are at their best since before COVID. More Fast Money in two. This is Fast Money with Melissa Lee right here on CNBC. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. You know, we saw some good spending in the holidays. We talked about good consumer spending all the way from, you know, Thanksgiving into Cyber Monday. We just did release some credit statistics uh, through an 8K a few days ago. You know, our delinquency rates and our and our uh, write-off rates are lower than they were in in, in 2019. Still, um, look, you had a good job. You had a good jobs report. We had wage increase in December. Uh, interest rates are uh, leveling off, and inflation seems to be getting under control. That was American Express CEO Stephen Squarey on the Halftime Report, delivering an optimistic outlook for the U.S. consumer after the company saw strong holiday spending and low delinquencies into year-end. That stock finishing the day almost 2% higher. Other financials that fell yesterday on Discover Financial's week forecast also gaining steam. Capital One, MasterCard, Visa, Discover, all closing in the green. Synchrony Financial um, among them. 
But again, we were talking about the bifurcated sort of look at the consumer, the high end doing well, the low end not doing so well. Exactly. Yeah. And American Express is really going to be showing what the high end consumer is doing, which I don't think any of us really questioned they were doing well. And I think you're seeing their delinquency rates are good. But a lot of the broader industry is now back to pre-pandemic levels, if not lower. Um, I am still optimistic on the consumer. I think you want to look at things like J.P. Morgan, who's also showing that the consumer is still strong. So I think we are still seeing it broadly speaking. American Express might not be the one to look at there. What's also interesting with American Express is they're really getting into the millennials and Gen Zs. So actually, you're starting to see even the higher consumers on that younger generation is is actually doing very well. And American Express is showing that, which I think is a really good sign. It's interesting how you can spin things, right, depending. And he's a... Amazing job. It's a, it's a fantastic company. So net charge-offs came in at 1.5%. Street was looking at 1.2%. That's up from 0.7% a year ago. Last 12 months has sort of been steady. I understand what he's saying. 30-day delinquencies, basically after six months of increases, mm-hmm. it's starting to flatten out. So you could say things are slowly improving. On the flip side, you could say these are numbers that are somewhat alarming. I know 1.5% is not a big deal, but up from 0.7%, you know, it just, again, it speaks to the state, I think, of the consumer on either end of the spectrum. So you're looking at the AXP data and saying glass half empty, and he's uh, but looking that's at a, it in which glass I, half empty. Which you know I'm prone to do that, totally. Sure. And, and he can absolutely look at it that way because things have been flattening out. After increasing, increasing over six months, he's seeing a sort of leveling off. So you can glean something from right. that. You know, I'm just saying that in this environment, if you think unemployment is going higher, which I do based on a lot of different things, Bank lending is being contracted at a pretty alarming pace. At a certain point, it's going to start to make its way into both sides of the spectrum. Yeah, so uh, you you mentioned contracting lending, and we're also going to mention uh, increasing credit card balances. But I I do think the glass half full, glass half empty analogy is actually quite fitting here. Since we have DFS, you mentioned from, you know, uh, 0.7% to 1.2%. They guided about five mm-hmm. or five point one percent. There's a stark contrast there. Now the question really is: Do you think that that is contained within that bucket of consumer, if you will, or do you think that that is the first step to that leaking into other areas and it becoming a bit more of a contagion? Clearly, if you're essentially funding your monthly transactions with pay, that's going to be the first tier. That's going to essentially going to be your first loss cohort. The question here is. 1.2 would still be relatively low for the overall space. And so expecting a, a moderate tick up even to a percent and a, percent and a half is a meaningful increase. And I think that's really, really where you want to drill down and look, not necessarily looking at the absolute values one v. the other, but the overall trend. See, I think, though, that it was really important what he said about versus 19 19- uh, 2019 19. levels, right. Right? Right, right? So if we take out all of the pandemic and all of right. the stimulus like and all of anomaly. that, forget all of that, let's look at history that is relevant, it's still really good. So I understand what you're saying. It's a different, it's a different demographic, but his demographic is very good. Yeah. These are tiny moves. I know they're big percentage moves, 1-3 to 1-5, or that's a big percentage move, but it's a tiny move. All right. There's a lot more Fast Money to come. Here's what's coming up next. Spirited away, the airline's soaring on the back of strong guidance. But one of our traders says the shadow of bankruptcy is still lurking. We'll dive into the debt markets for a look at why the future looks turbulent for this stock. Plus, the energy sector in dire need of an energy drink. We'll kick it into high gear and debate what this group needs to get back on track. 
You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. Spirit Airlines catching a bid in today's session, soaring 17% after raising its guidance for the fourth quarter 2023, now expecting revenues near the high end of previous estimates. Spirit adding to its gains after hours after the airline filed an appeal with JetBlue to get its merger approved. So what are the bonds saying at this point? The bonds are saying the bonds were up a lot today, mm -hmm. but the bonds are saying, I mean, these are 8% that matured next year, 2025, September, uh, I think it's September 20th, 2025. Trading at 6280. Right. That's telling you there is really great concern about this being a non-bankrupt entity going forward. It's really sad to see Courtney and I were talking about it in the break, the idea that the Justice Department would say no merger. And right. then obviously the likelihood of them going under increases. Is that really good? Um, Does that increase competition or preserve competition right. space? Yeah. Although the counter argument might be that, OK, maybe they can restructure and come out as a streamlined, less debt, better competitor. Mm -hmm. That's a possibility, although you never know what happens in the bankruptcy process. Things can sort of spin out of control. I would be very, very concerned here. I wouldn't I mean. I wouldn't I wouldn't touch those bonds. Yeah. Earlier today, there's a report that Spirit was asking JetBlue to appeal mm -hmm. uh, the blockage of the merger. And we had a headline just, you know, in the past hour or so that they will actually appeal the merger. So we'll see if that yields any sort of results. Yeah. Although uh, I, I wonder, I don't know that I didn't look, see the contract. So I don't know if they had an obligation to appeal uh, if JetBlue had an obligation. Right. Maybe. But. If you look at if we can pull a long term chart of uh, Spirit Airlines up, I think the all time high was made 10 years ago in 2014. So clearly this has been a fail and I'll use the word a failing business for quite some time. The bounce now in the aftermarket, I guess it makes sense, given the amount of volume we've seen over the last couple of days. Maybe if you're short the stock, you don't want to be short over the weekend. You're covering. There's a lot of that going on. But nothing that we've just talked about changes the fundamental story of the company, in my opinion. We'll see how it plays out over the next couple of weeks. Coming up, the energy sector in dire need of a boost. The sector is already down 5% this year after a rough 2023. We'll explore what could get the group out of its funk. That's next. And it's almost time for America's favorite game. Trade it or fade it. From telecom to travel and everything in between, you name it, we trade it or maybe fade it. More fast money in two. Missed a moment of fast? Catch us anytime on the go. Follow the Fast Money Podcast. We're back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. A record-breaking day for stocks as all three major indices tally gains for the week. The Dow and S&P both up more than a percent, closing on new records. It was the first time the S&P set an all-time high since January 2022. And the Nasdaq jumping more than 1.5%, now within about 5% of its record. And check out some of the names hitting record highs of their own. AMD, McDonald's, AutoZone, Uber, and Booking Holdings, all trading at their best levels since going public. Meantime, energy still stuck in a rut as it continues to under, underperform in 2024. It was one of just three sectors to end last year in the red, and it's the worst performing sector so far in January. 
But is there anything that can give the space a boost? CNBC's Pippa Stevens joins us now to dig into the energy trade. And you all thought, people thought that it would be supply disruptions or the prospect of, and that hasn't been the case either, Pippa. That's right, Melissa. And instead, we've seen oil stuck in a range for months now. And that gas just closed out its worst week in more than two years. So investors aren't exactly rushing into energy stocks. Fund managers remain underweight with allocation hovering around the lowest in three years, according to Bank of America. And with the lack of upside catalysts, energy ETFs and mutual funds have seen 11 straight weeks of outflows. But could it now be a contrarian trade? Across all sectors, analysts are the most bullish on energy. The sector's average multiple is 11 times forward earnings. And using the CNBC Pro Screener tool, we looked for names that are cheap relative to peers, as well as stocks that have more than 10 percent upside based on analyst price targets and are at least 5 percent below their 200-day moving average. Drillers APA, Devon, EOG and Marathon Oil making the list alongside Halliburton and Chevron. Now, longer term, Telemus Capital CIO Matt Dimitrizin telling me energy is an attractive multi-year allocation and that over time, the use of cash flow for debt reduction, stock buybacks and dividend hikes will bring investors back to the space. Melissa? Pippa, why do you think the activity in the Red Sea is not impacting oil more? I think until we see actual supply disruption, we're not going to see a response in prices. We saw that when Russia first invaded Ukraine, oil shot above 130, and there was a lot of a lot of feeling there that we would see long-scale disruptions. That obviously has not happened. And so I think this time around, traders have potentially learned their lessons, and they're not going to dive in until we see actual infrastructure hit, a closing of maybe the Strait of Hormuz, or some sort of supply actually coming offline. All right. Pippa, thanks. Pippa Stevens. Um, some of those names on those screens are actually um, rumored to be part of, you know, potential M&A activity, which we have seen so far in the space a lot of. Hasn't helped. I mean, every yeah. announcement, the stocks take a leg lower. I mean, this, by the way, started, I think, Chevron two Octobers ago when they announced a $75 billion stock buyback. That top ticked the entire sector for a period of time. And that's what's happening with this M&A. But, you know, Courtney can talk about Slumberjay quickly. That was a very good quarter. And if Tim were here, would say it's a free cash flow story. And guess what? They delivered on that front. Valuation has always been cheap, but it seemingly gets cheaper every quarter. So I still like the space. It's been a tough own, though, for a while. Yeah, I absolutely like the space. And I think Slumberjay was actually a really good example here, where just as much as the bar for technology is really high, I think the bar for energy has been really low. It trades at 11 times earnings, which is by far the, the cheapest sector out there right now. Everyone is underweight in it. Now you see Slumberjay comes out. They actually blew away their expectations. A lot of that was on international growth. They're increasing their dividend. And I think you're going to see a lot of that in the space this year. And I think it is something you want to make sure that you have as part of your portfolio. Um, but balance sheets are really fortified after oil prices went down so significantly. And I think that's what's getting lost in this conversation is oil prices may stay in this range. That's not necessarily a bad thing for the energy companies. Unless oil gets down to like $50 a barrel or lower, that's a lot of these break-evens. But at the range you're at now, these companies are going to continue to be profitable. Actually, energy was uh, in most of your acronyms. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh. It was the yes. E in V-Scheme. It was the E in, in Helm. Helm. Yes. Even though it should really be like XLE or something like that. But yes. Um, but you're also that contrarian yes, trade. For all the trade. reasons yeah. that you said, right? Cash flow, discipline, uh, balance sheets, all of that potential mergers, although some might, antitrust might be an issue there. But I mean, they just hate this space. At some point, though, there's expression value will out, right? It will have to be that it'll just be too cheap. Um, I would have thought that already happened, and yet here we are lower. But I, I, still, I still like this unpopular trade. 
I don't think there's really much argument against evaluation story. I, I would caution that you could have made that same argument for healthcare last year. So just mm. to compare apples, maybe I'm comparing two different <laughs> fruits. I don't know. But my point is that, that, that that's just at least a marker that you might want to point to. The other thing is, I think what you're really going to need to see is a rotation out of technology and out of growth. You've seen fund managers are over allocated. They're under allocated to energy. And you're going to need to see that right size or normalize that. To me, those are the dollars that would flow in, out of technology, into energy. But again, I think that makes for a bearish overall setup. And so you're going to need to see a flight from growth to what is going to be at least perceived as more stabilized free cash flow earnings and valuation. Coming up, get ready for the first traded or faded of 2024. Mm. A new year and a new way of playing. We are paddling into next mm. week's earnings with America's favorite game. Don't worry, it's not pickleball. This year, our traders are taking traded or faded into their own hands. The big updates next and shares of Alphabet nearing all time highs. But the good times may be in jeopardy. The risks one top analyst is flagging ahead. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings season kicks off at full speed next week with big tech names like Netflix, Tesla and Intel all reporting. But we wanted to shine the light on some non-tech giants. So we thought it would be a good time to play America's favorite game. Yes, it is the return of Trade It or Fade It. First edition of the year. Happy New Year. First up, Johnson & Johnson. The healthcare stock reports next Tuesday. It has been down over the past year, but on the recovery over the past few months, up almost 6%. So, Karen, let's start yes. with you. First okay. of the year, trade First it First of the year, it. I'm going to trade it. Wow. There we go. Okay. Um, the reason being, I do like healthcare. It is part of my acronym, uh, H, for the XLV, mm-hmm. which certainly makes sense. Um, <laughs> I think I like what they've done. I like the Kenview spin. That was, that was good. Um, and that stock hasn't traded well. So good for them for spinning it off. Interesting, yesterday or two days ago, we saw this MLR ratio at Humana being very high. And that bodes well for if you're in the medical device business, let's say. And so um, I like the valuation. I like the space. I like uh, the medical device part as well. So I am, I would be long J&J, trade it. Bonwin, trade it or fade it? Womp womp. <laughs> so um, I'm fading this one. And I think Karen makes a lot of good points. Simply, if I'm allocating new dollars to the healthcare space, I want to be in the GLP-1 space. It's just been proven over the course of last year. That's what investors are willing to pay for, and there's still an argument that the adjustable market can still grow there. Uh, And if you look back a bit further, if you look back to 2021, 2022, it's essentially been in a downtrend since it peaked in, I want to say, 2021. So I'm just not going to really fight the trend here, and I'm going to allocate money elsewhere. We do a quick timeout here because what has changed about this game is the use of the paddle. (laughs) <laughs> which are these signs that we're holding up, and the lack of sound effects. And luckily, Bonwin did his own sound effects, <laughs> oh, so he's really raised you, the bar Bonwin. of the participants there, there of this go. game to go. do their own sound effects. And just throw it out there in case you wanted to add your own sound effects in addition to the use of the paddle, that would be encouraged. All right, the next one. <laughs> are you encu- are you encouraging me to <laughs> yeah. do- I can't I'm even encouraged. believe you're saying that. <laughs> Why? Okay, let's well, I'll play. It's a complete game here. Play your reindeer game. Verizon, <laughs> the telecom giant soaring almost 25% in the last three months, set to report early next week. Courtney... Trade it or fade it. All right, well, let's do a sound effect. I'm going to go ding, ding, ding. Nice. We're going to trade it here. (laughs) Um, Verizon, they actually had higher cash flow last year than they did the year before and expected to increase that again this year. Um, But this is something there has been some concern with um, their competition, but really they have the largest customer base, the broadest coverage in the country, and I think they're going to continue to benefit from that. And they have a 6.7% dividend. I mean, this is definitely an income value play here, but I think you want to look at it. Guy? (laughs) 
<laughs> Sad trombone. Wah, wah, wah. I mean, Verizon, it's had the bounce. It's bounced from like 30 to 39. Good for them. It happens, absolutely. It's like a winning streak. It happens every once in a while. It's not going to last for long. T-Mobile's where you want to be, not Verizon or AT&T. Next up, Procter & Gamble, consumer goods company, has been positive over the past year, but flat today. Guy, back to you. Traded or faded? Ding, 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 ding. Melms traded. Did I do that right? <laughs> Gold star. Listen, valuation actually is reasonable for them. 21 times next year's. I mean, look at their margins. I think 25% operating margins. It's one of those companies you want to fade, but you got to trade. And Bonowin. Uh, big X here. Big X here. Listen, I think that Staples essentially have had their heyday. If you want to be in the consumer complex, and I would caution against it, but if you're there, honestly, I think the upside is in a bit more of the discretionary. More volatility, but that's probably where your upside is. Finally, United Airlines, the airline has been flying low over the past year, sinking almost 20%. Karen, trade it or fade it? Yes. Booyah, as someone on this network would say. <laughs> that was pretty I would, good. Actually. I would trade it as well. For the reason that it's been down a lot on news that we've already seen. We know they're coming out with earnings next week. The bar has been lowered by Delta. It has been lowered by the Boeing situation. So I think that the setup, I mean, the stocks come in a very long way. And I think their business is probably doing okay. We'll find out more next week. But all that setup for me, I would trade it. Courtney, trade it or fade it? No, where are these sound effects? Um, but yeah, I, I do actually like some of the airlines here, but I don't necessarily think United is where I want to be. Um, I think they are going to have a little more exposure to some of the Boeing trouble that just recently happened. And they do have more business travel, which actually tends to lag in an economic cycle. Um, so I think for some of those reasons, I would look at something like a Delta over United. I would actually stay out of here. All right. Meantime, today's record highs coincide with a big day for options expiration, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Mike Coe, Professor Coe, joins us with some insight into what he is seeing. Mike, what did you observe today? Yeah, well, it was a big day. It was actually the busiest day in options land in about seven weeks, 58 million contracts traded or so. And, you know, Bonwin was saying that the consensus really was that the MAG-7 wasn't going to be the place to be in this year. But today they were really moving. And so there were a lot of traders trying to chase the rally, essentially, in the MAG-7. Actually, we'll call it the MAG-8 in this case, just going over the list. AMD, this one, we saw a lot of activity in next week's 170 calls. It actually started before the stock blew through that level, which it did by the end of the day. Apple, the 200s that expire next week. NVIDIA, the 600s. Microsoft, the 400s. And then moving on to Meta, Alphabet, Amazon, and Tesla, we saw the 385 calls in Meta, the 150s in Alphabet, and the 155s in Amazon, along with the 230s in Tesla. So people definitely sort of looking to bet uh, that they could at least buy some calls to insulate themselves if they had actually been rotating into some other sectors. But there was at least one big very low probability downside bet. We saw a big put fly trade in SPY, 70,000 by 140,000 uh, by 70,000. It was the 425, 410, 395. They laid out just under 600,000 in premium, but that trade would be worth about $100 million if the market did manage to fall 20% over the course of the next six weeks or so. But again, that's a really low probability bet. How do you interpret some of these trades, Bonowin? Uh Agreed low probability bet, but what I will say... Uh, is that the short interest in the S&P and SPY is actually at pretty s- cyclical lows. So that makes a bit of sense. Um, the downside, I'm not sure if I would l- label it as an outright bearish view. It's likely a large uh, institution hedging skew or their downside you know, risk to a customer. But uh, I think it's a, a legitimate flag nonetheless. All right, Mike, thanks. Mike Coe. 
Coming up is Alphabet in danger, the tech giant nearing all-time highs, but one analyst is throwing up a huge warning sign for the name, the gamble you could be taking with Google. That's ahead. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Alphabet climbing higher today, hitting levels not seen since February 2022. They're just five bucks away from an intraday record. But one analyst thinks Google's parent is still the riskiest name in the tech game. Evercore's head of Internet research, Mark Mahaney, spelled this out on Squawk this morning. I'd love to see Google come out and say, you know, we're really taking a a much harder look at uh, cost. But, you know, until they do that, I've just been waiting for too long for them to do that. I'm just going to be a little cautious for them on that. On the, on the cost side. So for the fourth quarter earnings season, he thinks Alphabet is the riskiest in his coverage universe because of this. Karen, what do you think? Yeah, so a big position in, uh, in Alphabet. I think that he's right. I would like to see them be more aggressive on costs. I do believe there's probably plenty that they can do on costs. Often they're slow to sort of come around, right? They were slow to, I mean, having Ruth Poor out there changed things a lot. This is going back several years already, but um, I think they can do it. I think they probably will do it. Um, To me, though, the bigger risk to the alphabet story in the short term for the quarter is the cloud growth. Of the three, of AWS, uh, Microsoft, and Alphabet, they've been in, you know, they've been the slowest grower. And I, I would love to see that accelerate a lot. That, to me, is the number one thing. Yeah. I mean, the contrast between Meta in terms of the year of efficiency and how much they've taken out mm-hmm. versus how slow Alphabet has been. I mean, that's a real contrast, which I think Mahaney was highlighting. Yeah. But Carter Braxtonworth is not here. If he were, he would point out the fact that, that last chart speaks to it, the, the potential for a huge double top going back to November of 2021. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Up next, we've got your final trades. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Bono and Eisen. I know the, the intraday and, and day-to-day volatility is tempting, but I would save myself and avoid trying to trade safe. All right, Karen. Yes, so one that I've been looking at and I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I do think is intriguing is Charles Schwab. You know, they had that earnings announcement and people were really upset about it. And as the day went on, the call went on. Uh, um, Things got better. I think they may have bottomed. It's not super expensive on a going forward basis. So Charles Schwab. Courtney. Um, I, th- I take a look at the XLE. We talked about energy. It's a very underloved space right now. I think valuations are attractive. This is actually part of my ana- um, acronym here, whatever you call that. Um, but I-, I would definitely take a look at this space. An acronym. It should be an X in your acronym. Well, it, ends with, it ends with E, you know. <laughs> Our fans come in all shapes and sizes. Look at Koa Taylor here. I mean, unbelievable. Fast Money fan, McDonald's, Aww. Mel. Isn't that beautiful? Aww. Watching the show as we speak. I'm sure. Bad Money, Jim Kramer starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.